This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another episode of the No Ceilings Podcast. I am Tyler Metcalf, joined as always by Tyler Rucker. Rucker, how are we doing? Tyler Metcalf, we're doing good this week. Ladies and gentlemen, I just realized this as you were speaking, Metcalf. It's the last show for us for 2022. Unbelievable. I wasn't even ready for this. I'm about to shed a tear. Uh, how how are you doing, my my good friend? How's, how's life treating you? Life is fantastic. Just had had a beautiful Christmas. Uh, excited for New Year's. Uh, twenty twenty three is going to be an absolute blast. It's wild that we're already at the end of the year. Time flies uh, when you have no time to breathe or free time. So yeah. crazy how that works. Um, I agree how, with that. How about you? How, how was the holiday? Holiday was good. Um, you know, it. I love Christmas. Um, Always a good time. Probably watched the Grinch 30 times. Um, Christmas stories on all day. How could you, you know, how can you not beat fun like that? And uh, it is amazing that sentence you just said, because it, it is the season's going by so damn fast. And I, I feel like weeks are three days long now. But hey, we're, we're here. We're ready to rock. And 2023 is going to be a big year, um, especially for no ceilings. I'm excited for it. So how, how was the first Christmas with the puppy? Really good. Um, everyone was, was Santa kind to Murphy. Yeah, Santa spoiled Murphy. He got more <laughs> gifts than the rest of the household. So you know he's he's very spoiled. Um, very good boy. Ten out of ten would boop. Um, but you know he, he also is starting to kind of pay attention when I have basketball on. So that's a very exciting development. You know he might be a hooper. So um, doing good. Doing good. Perfect. Well, with today's episode. Um, you know, we, we, we felt like it'd be just super uplifting and a cheery note to end the year on and go into the new year, uh, with just a good old fashioned panic meter episode, you know, just uh, uplifting, you know, good thoughts all around. Um, so we're going to go, let's just go one through 10, 10 being absolute freak out one being not concerned at all. Um, and just because we bring up guys' names here, doesn't mean they're going to be a 10. They could easily be a one who knows. So just because they're part of this episode doesn't mean we're necessarily panicking about them but we may be having some questions so with the first one let's start out with max lewis from pepperdine where are you at with him i want you to go first because i want to see I, I haven't talked to you about maxwell lewis a lot i oh sorry he's max, max. Oh, it's for, he prefers max um maxwell on our team did a great piece about him earlier in the year and maxwell said that he prefers to be called max so we're gonna say that he, he's gonna be max lewis moving forward um where are you at because i had a little fire of a text i threw to the group the no ceilings group right before we were jumping on this and i want to see where the mad scientist is um because i also hate giving out the first number we did the panic meter last year people loved it 
So Metcalf today was like, let's bring the panic meter back. And I was like, oh boy, here we go. So where are you at? Give me a number. Okay. So with, with, with all of these, it's there's going to be some context to it yes. as, as into, you know, where in relation I'm panicking. So yes. with Max Lewis, in relation to being a lottery talent, let's say a lottery player, um, I'm at like a six. Six as right in now. you're you're worried about it or so yes. five is you're saying you're right on the fence. Correct. Correct. So it's and like, you know, like, like, like in, in school, like when you would have those like teacher reviews and it'd be like teacher treated me with respect, agree, strongly agree, not applicable, disagree, strongly disagree, you know, so that that crap. So five is right on the fence of like, eh. so six, I'm like, I'm starting to get some concerns. And when you just look at the numbers, they're incredible. They're awesome. The offensive stuff, I don't really have much concern about that. It's the defensive side of the ball where I have some major, major questions. But before we get into all that, wh- where are you at? So but, but before I just did my recent defensive focused dive, I would have said I was at a four. After watching the defense, I'm probably I'm going to cheat. I'm going to say I'm at a five. OK, I understand why you're at a six. Um, but I just don't have the, the courage to jump on <laughs> the negative side of the fence because I also really, really like his game. I think mm-hmm. that size, the efficiency he's putting up offensively. I know me and you love defense and we, we like guys that can potentially have, you know, impact on both sides of the floor. But I do think there is something to say that NBA teams will always be very, very smitten on if you can be an offensive force. They, they'll probably say, hey, we'll figure it out, you know. I don't know if I agree with that, but I think there's a lot of front offices that think that way. The defense isn't fun. And I just watched like a brief, I was like, oh gosh. Like when, when I was watching, I was like, oh gosh, okay. I, I need to save this for a lengthy, lengthy film dive. But the first couple of games I watched, I was like, oh no, no. <laughs> this is the time of the year where Tyler starts dancing into a very dangerous wormhole when I'm focusing on areas. I'm like, oh, now things are clearing up. But his offense is so much fun that I'm like, okay, um, where's the range where I'm comfortable? And it might be outside the lottery, but there's just some fundamental stuff that I just saw pop up defensively that I'm like, okay. So I I still think Maxwell Lewis has a ton of talent. The offensive side is scary um, when you're talking about what he could potentially develop into. But um, yeah, I'm right there with you. I understand what, what you're thinking. So what, what what were some of the fundamental concerns that you s- saw that you were really concerned about on defense? You know, it's funny because me and you have talked about this before with some guys that guys can look quicker with the ball in their hands. And then when they don't have the ball in their hands, they almost move slower. And you can also get the, you would think it's the other way where it's like you're slower with the ball in your hand. And when you have some freedom, then you're not worried about losing the basketball. You You can move quicker, but I feel like on some drives when he gets attacked, his feet look a little heavy. Um, I think when he has that first, you know, when he drops the slide, I feel like he almost gets a little upright um, in his stance. And that's where I'm getting picky. And I'm like, okay, I need to watch if this is just a couple of games you did this or if you're doing it over the whole year. But when you have length and and size and you're always having to, like I saw him try to have a couple like chase down blocks like eight times in a row. And I was like, that's usually a bad sign when it's that often, when you're trying to like catch up to people. Um, 
and and for everyone that might overreact with this, I have to watch a lot more. I'm guilty. I'm, I'm need to put a disclaimer out there, but what about you, Metcalf? Cause I feel like you've spent a little bit more time on it and I've wanted to pick your brain about it, but I like to do this stuff on the air so we can either look really, you know, smart and intelligent, or we can look like jackasses. <laughs> um, well, so the earlier today, I rewatched the, their game against Grand Canyon mm-hmm. and he was atrocious in that game on both ends well, t- of the floor. Um, well, tell us how you really feel about it. No, no I, it, it was, it was bad. Yeah. Um, and part of it was the shot wasn't falling, but the misses were also kind of all over the place. I'm not really worried about the offensive game. I mean, you know, his next four games after that, he had 23, 22, 23 and 26. So, you know, the, the Duke can score, he can shoot. I'm really not worried about that part of his game at all. Um, defensively though, and, you know, there, there is, you know, a caveat to all of this where he is relatively new and fresh to organized basketball. So it's not like he's been doing this for 15 years. It, it's a little bit new, new for him. So the hope is that with more coaching, more experience, all of that kind of stuff, a lot of these things start ironing themselves out and, you know, getting cleaned up. But the footwork on ball is bad. Um yeah. Earlier in the season, I think it was his first couple ga- his first two or three games, uh, when he would slide his feet, he would almost take like his like if he was trying to slide to his left, he would take his like right foot and almost like pick it up like those warm ups where you loosen up your hips. Yes, he would, he would do that trying to move side to side. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Um, so obviously not a great sign there. Um, the off ball stuff, I mean, in specifically in this Grand Canyon game, I mean, he would lose his man constantly off ball. He would help off strong side. Um, his gap defense was weak at best. There were just like these lazy late digs that didn't do anything besides put him out of position and free up his man who would, you know, just sink to the corner and be wide open for a three. Um, it was just a lot of really concerning stuff that's kind of popped up all year. Um, and so, you know, I know people are going to come back with, oh, but he has a block rate of 3.7 and a steal rate of 1.9. Those are awesome numbers. Love that. That's something to build on. There's something there that you can build on and suggest that with more coaching and experience and all that, yada, 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 he can get better. And there's something there to, you know, at least be average. You know, not everyone has to grow into an all NBA defender, but can you just not be a net negative? So hopefully he can, but some of the off ball stuff combined with the heavy feet on ball, um, the horrid screen navigation. Uh, he takes like these really wide rounded pass running off screens, which just, he takes himself out of every single play uh, whenever he has to avoid a screen. Um, if that stuff doesn't start improving or showing signs of getting out of his game uh, quickly, I, I, I have some pretty big concerns about, what his you know long-term role in the NBA will be if he can't survive at all on defense, despite how good the offense might be. Yeah, I'm 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 not worried about the offense. Um, and, and we've Same. talked about it all the time. Pay attention to the off night, and you watch the off night clearly because you. We always say that with offensive guys, it's like, okay, if your shot's not falling, how else are you impacting the game? And and if you watch that game and you're talking about it, like I, I still need to watch that. But if all of a sudden you can't get a shot to fall and you are a liability defensively, it's like, what are you doing out here? Like, well, you, you got to find a way to impact. And 
I think Maxwell Lewis is becoming a fascinating evaluation because he's just putting up these freakish offensive numbers when it comes to efficiency and how good Mm -hmm. he's been as a three level scorer this year. But, you know, I feel like we, we also heard someone say like they might think the, the learning curve for Maxwell Lewis as a rookie might be a little bit more steep uh, jumping to the NBA level than people might realize, which is fine. But you're also like, people will be like, what are you talking about? Look at him offensively. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like NBA teams will not handle this defensively. Like if he's this much of a liability when it comes to, you know, if he gets beat off the dribble all the time, you know, playing at Pepperdine, what what do you think NBA guys are going to do? And that's not just him. He's going to make all of a sudden that's the team defense is going to be a nightmare because everyone's going to be trying to cover him. And one thing I saw, which was interesting, you brought up about the block rate when I was just watching him. He's kind of erratic defensively when it comes to like trying to help out and go for that rejection. Like he just, he swats at every single potential block opportunity. And I understand now that it, it makes sense that he's like, wow, he's really aggressive going for <laughs> like help side blocks. But it's one of those where I'm like, okay, is that, is the film going to match? what that stat is trying to suggest to everyone. And I've watched, like I just said earlier, I've watched brief sample. I need to watch a lot, lot more, but it's, this is the time of the year where you start finding this stuff. Cause we're hunting for weaknesses. We're hunting for, you know, areas and we're, we're nitpicking. We're picking these guys apart. Yeah. That's what every scout evaluator is doing. And we're not trying to downplay him. Like I still think he's a top 20 guy right now. Yep. I think he's Same. fantastic, but um, it is just, is the defense going to be okay where we can say, Hey, he's a lottery guy. Um, if not higher, and if it's not, and teams don't feel that way, then it's like, okay, yeah, he's probably going to be this potential diamond in the rough that you might get at 18 and two years down the road. We're like, how did Maxwell Lu- Max, how did Max Lewis last that long? I'm working on it. It's yeah, tough so- having Maxwell and Max. Come on. <laughs> We're, we're gonna have to force our Maxwell to uh to to just change his name. It, That's fine. It, it has to be done. It's, yes. So I don't make the rules. Yeah. So so just to reiterate, you're at a five. I'm at a six. So yes. neither of us are in panic mode. But some questions are starting to arise, and you know there's some con- there's some concerning maybe not quite red flags. Well, I think his defense is a red flag, uh, but maybe yellow flags. And just to reiterate. We think he's awesome offensively. I mean, he's averaging 19.4 points, 5.9 rebounds, 2.7 assists on 53-43-85 shooting splits with a true shooting percentage of 61.3. The offense is really good. We buy the offense. I just need to start seeing some steps in the right direction, and maybe it doesn't happen on this Pepperdine team defensively because that entire team is awful defensively. Um It'll be fascinating. And I think it's going to be one of those guys where Intel and work ethic and all of that stuff, how much does he really want to defend? That's going to be fascinating. But moving on, next up, we got Gigi Jackson. Hit me with it. Um, I mean, my panic meter is low. Um, I'm going to f- screw it, Gigi. Gregory, I'm, I'm in. I, I'm at a three. Okay. Throw that assist percentage shit out the window. <laughs> I don't give a crap. I just don't care. It's just one of these things where like, if I watch the guy and he's got a stud team and there's plenty of other guys that can contribute and he's a ball hawk. 
Yes, mm-hmm. throw the assist percentage at me as much as you want. But I'm wa- I've watched that team and I've watched him make some passes and he's willing, but I'm also going to weigh in his age. Like I don't care. I'm going to use that one as much as possible. And I this is coming from the CEO of the upperclassmen fan club. So I mean, but it's just what he's doing in the SEC at South Carolina. He's clearly the guy every night. Every team is saying stop Gigi. But just some of the flashes I've seen from him, um, I think he's going to be a, a heck of a piece. Whoever goes and drafts him, um, wherever they do, if you have a great foundation and you have a good developmental staff, you're going to have a fun-ass time working with Gigi Jackson because there's a lot of really special raw tools to build off of. And if someone can put them together, woo, that is a basketball player. But I'm not wearing Metcalf, so this is the part where you all of a sudden tell me a number and I fall out of my chair. No, I'm I'm at a four. I good, good. I don't I don't care. Like, um, and coming into the season, one of my big worries with him going to the South Carolina was: is this really going to be the best environment for him to develop? He's yes. a young kid. He reclassified. He should be a senior in high school right now. This is a big leap up for him, and he didn't go to a great team to develop and i think we're starting to see some of the bucket let me just go get a bucket tendencies that weren't necessarily there earlier in the year um so the other week you know we i think we talked about it on last episode where people start were freaking out about his assist rate being 4.9 currently and how poor of an indicator that is based on who's on other players who have been drafted with in the first round based on that low of a number. And I don't know when assist percentage became the benchmark for understanding a player's passing and feel for the game. I I think that's incredibly misleading, especially when you completely ignore context of his age, uh, because he's uh, now we, we can't use the 17 card anymore. He just turned 18. That's brutal. (sighs) That's tough. Um, but the rest of that team, they're shooting under 40% from the floor and just over 30% from three. No one on this team can score. It's they You have to be able to make a shot to get an assist. It's that easy. Conversely, you know, I, I don't hear any arguments about Cam Whitmore being a horrible passer and having a bad feel for the game. And his assist rate is 3.8. It's over a full percentage lower than Gigi. So that, this isn't meant as a slander towards Cam Whitmore by any means. It's just you have to factor in the context of what's going on. There are a lot of games where Gigi will make this awesome entry pass or drive and kick. Um, I think he sees the floor relatively well. I don't think he trusts his teammates. And I think that's where a lot of these kind of mid-range fadeaways come into play. And some of these mid-range fadeaways and step-back threes, they look fucking good. Um, So from a scoring standpoint, I love what this dude is showing. I think there's a little more passing ability there than people want to give him credit for. No, he's not a point forward or anything like that. Um, But he's also not a black hole. Uh, The defense I have some questions about. But again, I don't think this is the best place for him to develop. I'm right there with you. I was just looking at some of the stats, which are just really fun. Um, So where are we at? Um, I just wanted to see one more thing. Okay. So South Carolina, 32% from three as a team. They have four guys averaging double to double digit points per game. One of them being Gregory. 
they're of those four guys. One is shooting 22% from three and the other is shooting 34% from three. Chico Carter is shooting 50% from three while averaging 11 points per game. Um, one guy on their team is averaging more than three assists per game. That's Michi Johnson at 3.8. Everybody else is like one or J- uh, Jacoby Wright, I'm sorry, is at 2.1. So I'm not really worried. This team is averaging 11 point assist, 11.4 assists as yeah. a team. They don't have, like, it's just, you have to take in the situation. And I'm, I'm right there with you. The defense, there's raw flashes. Of course, there's some growing pains. And we're going to see that with a, a raw talent like this. But, you know, he was supposed to be going to North Carolina next year. Hypothetically, God. if he was playing at North Carolina this year, that team's probably a lot different. Like, and he, and then we could have been fascinating about the assist percentage if he ever got the ball from Caleb Love. But I just <laughs> don't understand why we have to fascinate about assist percentage unless it's just like a guy that's putting up 15 field goal attempts per game and shooting 30% from, th- you know, the field. I get that, but I think he's the guy. I mean... <laughs> There's, I think, three guys scoring 11 points per game. He's at 16.6. And then after that, the next guy is 6.4 points. So they don't score a lot. And they're giving him the ball a lot to say, hey, take us home. Like, help us. And um, I've seen games where he throws great passes and guys brick layups. So I'm not not too worried. So let's talk about the defense quickly. Um, Where are you at with it? Because fundamentally, there are some issues. Uh, He looks like a kid who grew up being bigger and more athletic than everyone else and relied on, you know, those physical traits to be good defensively um, at the next level. And the one after that, that doesn't fly so much unless you're freakish, freakish, uh, which he isn't, he's a good athlete, but he's not that level. Um, Some of the indicators similar to Maxwell Lewis are really promising block rate of 3.5 steal rate of 1.5. Good numbers. Not great. Not awful, but good. Slightly above average. So, where are you at with him defensively? When I watched him in the beginning of the year, my biggest thing that I was like, hey, I need to focus on this for the second half of the season. Like, I want to see if there's a big jump in this and a big improvement was I, I thought the off-ball awareness um, needs work. And, and what I mean by that is I think he has a lot – he plays with a lot of passion. He plays with a lot of energy. I think sometimes he just doesn't know where to be. Like, and it's, it's not a bad thing. It's just youth and raw and he's a year behind developmental wise. And I think he just kind of gets maybe out of place or ball watching. And it's like, okay, you got to stay alert. Like, where's your man? And your couple passes away, put yourself in the right position, balance the floor defensively. And I think you just see with him, he's so excited to be out there and his mind's going a million miles an hour that I think he's just trying to adjust. And, and we also forget this about, you know, even freshmen, um, Dreek Whitehead, he got interviewed after a game and he's like, I started the year when I got on the floor, everything's going so damn fast. And yeah. we're Gigi Jackson's a year behind him developmental wise. <laughs> so I, I just think it's, it's something that you can see when he can move and really get going and he plays with energy. He's one of those guys that'll block a shot and be screaming into the student section. Like he, he wants to compete, but I think he needs to also understand of how to, put himself in the right position. And and when I saw in the beginning of the year that he was just kind of all over the place and he does it offensively too. Like he'll get mm-hmm. stuck sometimes where he's like, no, keep moving. You're standing right next to your teammate. Yeah. 
Um, and, and I just put something in my notes. I was like, this is going to have to be something you check in on throughout the year. And um, I'm excited to go back and watch it because that's the one area I want to see. Like, it's okay. What are you doing away from the ball? Like, are you putting yourself in the right position and stuff? But what about you? I think he wants to defend. Yeah. Um, I just don't think he knows how to. Um, it's, it's like you talked about with the off ball stuff. Uh, it pops up on offense all the time. His off ball movement on offense isn't good. He doesn't really know where to, where and when to relocate. And that's just a sign of a guy who grew up with the ball in his hand all the time. Um, off ball defensively, he's usually a step slow. His screen navigation is a little clunky, uh, for a guy, his size at his position. I don't think that's super uncommon, but it's going to, it's going to have to improve. Um, I, you know, I, I think his work rate is high. Um, part of that, you know, is because he's frequently out of position. So he's working to recover, to get back into position. Um, so it's not ideal, but it's better than him being out of position and then not doing shit to make up for it. So I, I, I think there's stuff to build off of. I think there are athletic tools and physical tools and a desire that you can kind of work with down the line, but I don't think he's going to be a plus defender anytime soon. Um, and an NBA team hopefully realizes that and works with him on that. Not, you know, obviously they'll work with him to develop him, but I think it's something they're going to have to be overly patient with because he is really raw right now, despite how dynamic some of the offensive tools look when he doesn't have the ball in his hand, there's a lot of uncertainty with what he's supposed to be doing. And it feels like it, it really shows up pretty frequently. Yeah. And everyone listening, like we're, we like all these guys. We're not rooting against them. We're just trying to, you know, this is what you have to kind of weigh into consideration. We're, we're about to reach the midway point of college basketball in a couple of weeks. We're about to be right at that point where it's like, okay, we got a first half. Now it's time. Like who's going to cement themselves. Who's really going to make a charge. And I think Gigi's going to find himself in that conversation for the lottery um, throughout the year. Uh, and it's, I think he's there right now. Um, I think if he, you know, gets hot in conference play and all of a sudden maybe shows a little bit more, I don't want to say patience, but I'm saying a little bit more like, okay, the things are slowing down a little bit and he's not just so erratic. Then all of a sudden it wouldn't shock me if he's a top 10 guy or NBA teams are really getting intrigued because his age, um, he's still raw, but the upside is, is crazy. And I do think, and I, I don't want to sound like a buzzkill with this statement. I think whoever takes him, wherever you get him, this could be a G league guys rookie year. This is be a guy that does a lot of good stuff with some G league reps because confidence is everything. And you do not want to throw Gigi Jackson as a rookie. If he's not ready defensively on the court, cause he's just going to be like, what the heck is going, you know, and that's fine. Like Portland, doing a great job of Shaden Sharp this year. He's had some some growing pains defensively, um, but he started out the year awesome offensively, and they're injecting him in spurts to get the confidence going. You're just going to have to have a really smart plan with Gigi, and, and I really like his upside. I was kind of cautious about him coming into the year, and I was like, oh, man, I'm in. Like, there's some, there's some stuff here, but you got to have a good staff. you got to be patient, and um, – He's another guy. I mean, I'm just really excited to watch the second half of the year. Yeah, and he's going to be a guy where his role and kind of instructions 
early in his career are going to have to be really simplified. Um, yes. And that's not an indictment or calling them stupid or anything no, like that. It's yeah. just, no, 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 hey, yeah. you're good at this. Focus on that. That's how you're going to contribute. That's what the Blazers have done with Shane Sharp. That's what the Pacers have done with with uh, Matherin to some extent too. Um, so obviously long-term, those roles and responsibilities are going to improve. But to get that early production and early you know, positive production and build that confidence, um, it just makes life easier for these guys. And it allows them to work on things behind the scenes while succeeding while on the court. Um, someone who has had their role a little too simplified, though, is Derek Lively. Give me a number. Um, 8.5. Yeah, I'm at an 8. Okay. So for listeners, in case you forgot, because I wouldn't blame you, Derek Lively is a seven foot one, 230 pound freshman center at Duke. Um, he has scored over 10 points once this year against Ohio State. He has taken more more than five shots uh, precisely once this year, and that was in their last game against Maryland Eastern Shore. Um, this is brutal. Uh, our last episode, I went through his usage rate being the lowest out of any top high school recruit uh, in Bartorvik's database, which goes back to 2008. And the next lowest was Nerlens Noel, who is like five or six points higher than Lively. Um, this is this is not good. Yeah, it's not great, Bob. Um, I'm get I'm I'm getting into dangerous territory. Um, I can't, I, I don't, I can't have him as a first rounder right now. Everyone can come give me the boo bird, but I, I just haven't seen anything. Um, it, it's, I'd said about it on a previous episode with you. It's going to be one of my favorite guys to ask around the league about around when it comes to talking to scouts and the buzz, I'm going to be like, okay, are we saying it's a bad year at Duke or, and we're believing in high school or is everyone being like, no, we're not surprised or. I root for the kid and it's just brutal to watch those games. Cause I'm like, gosh, man, it's, it looks like I'm out there and they're just like, don't feed Tyler the ball. He can't do anything. And I'm like, I get it. Yeah. I could pass it right back to you, but it just, I, I want to even talk about a guy that needs some confidence. I just feel like he's just a ghost out there and, and, and I'm rooting for him. I would love lively to all of a sudden have a three game stretch where I'm like, here we go. This is awesome. But I just don't, I don't see it happen. So yeah, I'm at an eight and a half right now. Yeah. And it, the, the, the tough thing is, is that it's not even because he, it's not like he's just sucking and like putting up like two, two of 10 shooting yes. every night and not, you know, protecting the rim at all. Um, he's just not even getting the opportunity to do anything. Um, his effective field goal rate is 60 true shooting percentage, 59.7 block rate of 12.6. That's awesome. Steal rate of 2.5. Really good. Two point percentage is uh 68%. He's effective. It's just the volume and usage and opportunity is so minuscule that it's like, why is Ryan young getting more post-ups? Why is Ryan young getting more shot attempts? Why, like, why is this, why does Ryan young have a higher usage rate than the number one high school prospect? It's weird. Um, like at some point you got to let the kid loose a little bit and give him the ball, let him do something other than screen and then go stand in the dunker spot. Um, defensively, I really like his weak side rim protection. I think his ability to rotate and, you know, block shots as 
illustrated by the block rate, um, has been really good. He gets a little lost in pick and roll coverage. I'd like to see a little more defensive versatility from him, but he looks like a kid who's walking on eggshells and afraid to kind of upset anyone because he's just not getting the opportunity and he doesn't want to lose the few minutes that he's been given. You, you, you can throw out any number. If you're an evaluator, if you're putting together a big board, you could throw out any number right now. I would not have an argument with it. Um, if, if someone's like, hey, I still believe in him. I'm having him in the lottery. I'd be like, okay, good luck. Um, someone was like, hey, I got him at 45. I'd be like, okay, I get it. You know, I, I don't think there's a weird range right now. I think it's just like, <laughs> what do you believe in? Do you believe in the high school film or do you believe – this is a sign of things to come. And I think scouts are still going to probably lead towards the high school stuff, but there was still questions in high school that we had when we did preseason episodes about talking about him. And it, it just looks like there's not a lot of freedom right now. I still will not be shocked if some team is like, Hey, there's too much raw talent here. If we were picking 28th and we have a pretty stacked roster, but we could use a, a serious, swing on upside like it would not shock me if lively still goes there but there's also well, some I, other I, I, I think he'll i think he'll impress during workouts oh I, for the, that sure athleticism especially <laughs> yeah. if there's a shot there i mean duke's fucking sharing hit three-point shooting montages of him in september and now he's not allowed to move out of the dunker spot like what what are we doing john yeah. shire like i i was so optimistic based on how he the the few games last year where he took over and AJ Griffin was actually allowed to do something other than stand in the corner. Um, I was like, okay, John Shire kind of gets it. He's used utilizing his guys in new and creative ways. And now he gets a full-time gig. And it's like, what the fuck is this? Like, just welcome to the Jeremy Roach show. Like, no, thanks. I, that, that is not what I signed up for. And funny enough, as I think last year we did the panic meter episode and AJ Griffin was one of the players we talked about. So we just get back to back Duke guys. It's unbelievable, but I don't know. I, I'm just, I want lively to have a bounce back, you know, stretch of games, but I'm just not seeing it. And then, and then you're trying to figure out where it's like, well, is another year of this even I, I just, it's just crazy. No, it's just I, really I wild. See, I don't see no. how another year benefits him in any way because what what would change? No, it, it, exactly. So unless he we're transferred, just, which would be weird. Which would be really weird. It, it's just a weird. We're in a weird area right now. We're in the end game. We're trying to figure out what's going on with Lively and how can we fix this. If anyone's got ideas, you know, let us know. All right. Well. Another center who uh, whose role I have not loved is Khalil Ware, um, center from Oregon. A lot of hype with him coming into the year, similar to Lively. Opportunity has been minimal at best. Where are you at with Ware? Ugh, we're just really getting through the mud in this. Um, where am I at? With, uh, seven. I'll say seven. What about you? 7.5 maybe 8. All right, here we go. Wow. It's, it's not good. No, it's, it's not. I mean, so, my camera would fade. I my I got blurry <laughs> camera because of it. Shout out uh Logitech. Thanks. Appreciate it. 
Uh, so in his last four games, he's broken 20 minutes once, and that was their most recent game against Utah Valley. Uh, shout out the Wolverines, uh, where yes. he had 21 minutes and went 0 for 7 from the floor. Uh, the previous three games, he didn't he didn't record more than 15 minutes. Um, he's coming off the bench a lot. Uh, his usage rate is similar to Lively, is low, but much higher at 20.3. Um, it's just... Again, these it, it feels like these college coaches who get overly obsessed with winning every single minute of every single game and losing sight of the bigger picture where they have these uber-talented kids and freshmen who are going to make mistakes early in the year. But that's when you want them making mistakes. You want them making mistakes against a Utah Valley or a Maryland Eastern Shore. Like These are the teams that you should be allowing these kids to make mistakes against. So then once you get into conference play and you're playing the UCLA's and the Arizona's and Colorado and Utah and, you know, everyone else, you're, they're more comfortable. The, the game has slowed down. They found their shot. They built confidence on the defensive end and Cleo wears, and he's struggling to get minutes over Nate Biddle and, and Folly Dante's had a good year. He's an upperclassman. I get that a little bit, I guess, but I think you can play those two together some. Um, and the fact that Cleo Ware still can't even get the full-time backup center minutes is perplexing. Yeah, it's, it, it's becoming a very annoying trend, but it's also like I understand coaches and, you know, we just talked about John Shire. First year is, is you know, taking over for Coach K. You're probably wanting to have a good year. So I understand if all of a sudden it's a little different when you're like, oh, well, you know, they're pointing the finger at me if we lose. And if you if you don't think Lively's giving you your best shot to win, fine. Oregon has been weird because we watched the game. We did a playback with them against Houston. I've watched that roster. I don't see why you don't play Khalil Ware. Like when I yeah. I feel like I watched one game early in the year and he was barely playing. And I was like, hey, guys, this ain't it. I was like, you gotta play this kid. You you don't have anyone besides uh, Dante, who is a force down there. Um, and, and I'm not trying to, you know, bad talk to kids, but it's just like he has too much raw talent. He gives you a rink on your offense. Their outside shooting is horrendous. So I was like, yeah. you have to where at least gives you some spark from out there. And, you know, he's a guy who could come in and all of a sudden hit two threes in a row. And um, I don't know if I love him doing that at seven one or whatever he is, but. I just don't know. Um, I've also, I feel like there's been some buzz that, you know, scouts are a little concerned about the defensive effort, you know, running hot and cold. And it's like, that's not a good start. You know, we're, we're not in a good spot if you're already saying that because there's besides Victor women, Yama, there is a desire for some big man to come up and make some noise. Like no, anyone, 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 <laughs> Noah Clowney's been great for, for Bama. Now he's all of a sudden getting some steam because they're, and it's not, I'm not taking away from him, but the, there's no one else making any noise right now in that area. Nope. So where is becoming puzzling and it's the same story as lively, but in a different zip code. And, and I just, ugh, gross. It is gross. And I rooting for the kids, but you know, conference plays coming up. You're going to find out in a hurry is if, how these coaches feel about these guys because when conference play starts 
And I know we're getting underway with some 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 of these games, but that's going to tell you a lot when you know you're in you're in the thick of the the beast and how much do coaches cut, trust these kids to be like, hey, we this is a five point game with two minutes left. We need someone to come in. Like if if you're not getting playing time, it sends a big sign. Yeah, and like one of the most frustrating parts about Ware's lack of opportunity, it's not like he's been in foul trouble. I mean, yeah. he's averaging 1.3 fouls per game. Uh, it's not turnover issues, 1.2 turnovers per game. Yeah, he's not shooting the best, but I, he's playing like a kid who's lost all confidence. And I think so much of that, I, at announcers, it's one of their favorite cliches where it's, oh, you got to feed the big man early, get him involved. It's a cliche, but there's a bit of truth to it where, you know, first couple of possessions, you just put the ball in their hands, whether they take a shot or whatever. They just kind of need to touch it, get involved in the offense. That gets them involved in the defense. Earlier in the season, I thought we were seeing a lot of really interesting stuff from where defensively with how he was moving his feet, his hips looked quicker and more fluid than they did in high school. I was like, okay, this is exciting. Maybe he can play the four. And then he goes straight to the bench. And it's like, what are we doing? Like, it, it can't get worse for this Oregon team by putting this uber-talented seven-foot athlete out there more. Um, theoretically, he can stretch the floor. Um, I believe in the shot long-term. But you're never going to know when you keep playing them 15 to 20 minutes a night, especially against teams like fucking Portland and utah valley and uc riverside like these are the teams that you should be building the confidence and feeding him and letting him make mistakes so when he has to face umar balo and tabellus he's not cowering in their shadow he's out there fighting and giving them the business hopefully he does that anyways because that's what we all want to see that's more fun that's good for basketball i'm just hesitant and I, i think the coaches are not doing these kids any favors shocker I'm sorry if you brought this up earlier, but I just want to, if you did, no, no, no. If (laughs) you did, we need to bring it up again. He had a three game stretch against UConn, Michigan state and Villanova. Did you bring this up? Uh, No, I brought up the games after that. Okay, good. So these are all consecutive games. UConn, Michigan state, Villanova. He, and I, I believe Biddle was hurt during one of the games and might've missed another game or Dante might've even got hurt. So he played, he, they had no option. They had to play him. Um, and it, it might not have been all of the games, but it might've been one. So I'm sorry if I'm a little, you know, cloudy on the memory, but my point being in those three games, he started two of them averaged 32 minutes a game. He averaged 16 and eight was 1.3 blocks while shooting 52% from the field, 30% from three. And then just after that, he, you know, like you were talking, 26 minutes, 28 minutes. Then it's just three straight games of not breaking 15 minutes. Um, like you were saying, it makes no sense. And I I mean, those are still big numbers in that three-game stretch against tough yeah, those competition. Are, those are good games. Yeah, so it, we're at this point where, like you're bringing up, you know, conference play. Arizona's got two bigs that are beasts. Oregon, if you want to have any any shot, you're gonna to have to play where. Um, UCLA's got some some serious talent. Like, you gotta play this kid. And 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 it is looking like someone who really does have their confidence just stripped of them. And I, I think you're spot on with that. So 
when when where's rolling i really like the upside because he can do some stuff with his length and that outside shot is looks good and um he plays almost with a little bit of cockiness in a good way but it's just you know it just it sucks because we are waiting for a big man to to make some noise and lively and where we had some questions going into the season and now we're like oh boy we got even more all right so before we move on just a a quick session of this or that so khalil Ware or filipowski oh you know how i love to do this i i have to stay with filipowski right now uh where or lively oh man i would go uh i would go where wow uh where because or... i've only we've only seen where's at least yeah. hit an outside shot or I've been seen... allowed to touch the ball exactly so <laughs> i don't know it's literally like the uh, shout out to all of my Call of Duty fans, but literally when you play the zombies, it's literally the mystery box. We don't know if if, if Lively could shoot a three or not. He's, you just have to pray that you don't, you know. Gosh, I'm old. Okay, so go <laughs> ahead. All right. Uh, where or Noah, Noah Clowney? Clowney. Same. Uh, yeah, where or Adem Bona? Oh, stop it. You're, you're gonna hate do I get, do you get, do I get it? I would say Bona. Same. I love Bona. <laughs> I love he, him. This is for an episode for. I need him time, one more year. I need him one more year. Some of the I'm defensive doing, stuff oh, he's showing gosh. is. I really, really like him. Nasty defensively. When, um, when okay. I saw him in person, he warmed up and he looks like he tries to break the backboard in warmups. <laughs> and I'm like, I love this out of a big man. So like, he, I, I just need one more year. I need him to be in a gym all summer and then just UCLA be like, it's your time. But hey, Mick Cronin, we know how you do with that. So thanks, Mick. <laughs> Shout out, Mick. Okay. Uh, two more. Uh, where or Trace Jackson Davis? My calf, don't do it. TJD, baby. Let me believe. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, last one. Where or Trevon Brazil? Oh, gosh. Brazil. Uh, the TJD one didn't make me feel good. But it, my problem is, is I at least know what TJD is right now. I don't know what where is. Where could be TJD, I at least know, is going to battle his butt off probably around the basket. I just don't know about where. I have one for you. How about Derek Whitehead or Gigi Jackson? Oh, Whitehead. Okay. I'm going to ask you that question if things keep going at this rate in two more months, and I'm going to be very excited to get that answer again. Yeah. I know. John Schreier is quickly ascending the Mount Rushmore of Jim Beheim, Mick Cronin, Dana Altman of coaches who are just ruining. Who's my, who's my man at Tennessee? He's on that oh, list. Rick, Barnes, Rick, yeah, Rick yeah. Barnes is on that list too. Shout out, yeah. Rick. <laughs> all right hit me with more. we're getting off okay. track we're having yeah. too much fun all right uh moving on to marcus sasser uh you start go ahead like six and a half. Oh wow i was higher than you thought um i'm gonna say four Why? i'm waiting for the i'm waiting for the stretch i feel like there's a stretch coming um <laughs> Because I'm still trying to give him some credit of ACL injury, your senior year, you got the, one of the top teams in the country. You're probably thinking 
you got to put up big numbers. And I, I feel like he's going to have this stretch of being either just, oh my goodness, I'm taking over. And maybe it's the tournament and Marcus Sasser has three straight games where he reminds us of just how scary he can be when he's feeling it. Or he's going to realize like, okay, that's, I don't have to shoot all the time, you know, like be more efficient. And I don't know the the, the efficiency just isn't there yet. But I, if when he, he just looks so good on the court, you know what I'm saying, Metcalf? Like he just looks like a guy that I'm like, oh, he's gonna he's gonna play at the next level. He's gonna be good. Like, but then it's just the numbers don't the numbers don't make me sleep better at night. Yeah. So I mean, he's a six two co- shooting guard, I guess. Yeah, or, combo guard. Yeah, returning so, towards the combo guard era. I mean, it's coming. Yeah. So I'm just gonna run through his outside shooting numbers here. So as a freshman, five point four attempts at 35.2%, sophomore, eight three-point attempts a game at 33.5%. Last year, only 12 games, uh, but 8.6 attempts at 43.7, incredible. This year, through 14 games, 6.8 attempts at 31.6. Are we sure that he's the shooter that we thought he was? No. Um It's one of those things where I'm going to hate doing it, but you almost have to get at that point where like, if he keeps going at this rate, you all of a sudden got to go back and watch last year and be like, what changed? And obviously everyone's going to be like, well, the ACL injury. I I think enough time has passed where. And and, and, yeah, I mean, he came back. I know he probably worked his butt off, but it's like, okay, what's, is the playing style different? Is there something with the confidence? Because even, you know, only 12 games last year, but still 43% to 31 is a humongous, like, whoa, what happened here? And And that being the only plus shooting year of his career so far, low concerning. Yeah. I mean, Field goal percentage, 36, 38, 43, 41 this year. Uh, Free throw percentage, 75, 85, 74, 83. So we're a little all over the place. We're just like, okay, well, which one is it? Who's the liar? Tell us the truth. No, but I really, really like Sasser. I just don't know if it's like, is he not the lead guy that we're thinking? Is he going to be better with, like you put another shooter around him, and I'm not trying to downplay Houston. I'm saying if you if you put Marcus Sasser with a bunch of shooters, does he become? Yeah, a, you, you're talking like NBA level shooters. Yes, so yes, yes. Like Jamal Shad, he's a good college shooter. Like yes, they, they're they're fine. But yeah, Houston no, will never be a team that is you know going <laughs> oh. to be respected for their three point shooting. They are going to be a team that gives you nightmares on both sides of the ball and battles you and beats you on the boards. So what I'm saying is there, and this happens a lot is. Guys go to the next level, spacing a little bit more, and and you got more shooters now. You got NBA level shooters around you. Um, so I'm I'm trying to figure out is that the Sasser all of a sudden the game s- slows down, but you know what I'm saying it becomes a little bit more relaxing for him if you want to put it that way. I would I would prefer to put it a different way, but my brain's fried, so I don't know. It, it's just weird, but I, I feel like the moment I try to sell my stock he's going to get on a heater and I'm going to be like, you idiot. And then all of a sudden, I don't know if it's just going to be like things click and he's like, all right, let's go. But 
I don't know, Metcalf. Yeah, so I'm, the, the, the reason that I brought up the height, uh, besides just providing a little bit of background, was to kind of shine light on if he's not shooting from outside at that size and he's not necessarily a point guard, which I don't really think he is, where is he elevating an NBA rotation? Um, I, I like his defense and his steal rate is 3.4 this year. Uh, last three years, um, he's averaged 1.4, 2.2 and 1.6 steals per game. Um, I think he's a good defender, but at that size in the NBA, there's not a whole lot of versatility that's there. Uh, you quickly turn into a one position defender. Um, I think he has some plus team defensive stuff with jumping passing lanes and rotating and, you know, the effort awareness, all that stuff's there, just the physical limitations come into play. So if he's not shooting it, where is that plus level impact coming from? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I understand that was the thing coming into the year with him. I was like, okay, well, he's undersized for a point. Do we think he's going to be a natural point? Is he more of like an off-ball guard in a point guard's body and we were hoping uh, if sasser was shooting over 40 percent, we're like okay he's he's still an nba player where he's gonna figure it out but i mean they played bama in virginia they went one and one in those games they lost to bama he combined in those games to go six for 25 um from the field um from three he went three for 13 in both of those games. So not great. Um, and obviously those are notable ones because it's, those are big time opponents. Um, I just, I really like how he plays the game and it's one of those things where are we going to be overthinking the efficiency or is it warranted? Like, is this legit and we need to be, paying attention because as much as I love Sasser and I thought he was going to be a potential late first round pick last year. Um, and he was great at the combine. It's, it's yeah. one of those where it's like, okay, is it just the college and all of a sudden it's going to be a different person at the next level with more talent around him or what are we getting? And it's going to be another good case study with this class. Yeah. So just for the record, I, I still have Sasser in the first round. Um, so do I. There's a lot I like. I just I just need that shot to not even hit the levels that it was at last year, but just start creeping that direction. And it would uh it'd make our job so much easier. It's kind of yes, rude him, really when you think about it. But all right. Someone else whose shot is not where we hoped it would be is Tyrese Hunter. Um, Oof. talk about a whirlwind. Where are you at? Um Boy, I like Tyrese Hunter too. This is a tough one. What idiot suggested Tyrese Hunter? Um, it was me, folks. That was a joke. That was a slap at my face. Um, or I think you maybe did it, but I was wanting to I did, say it. But no, I appreciate you insulting me and then no, because I I was like work. I was wanting to text you and be like, oh, we should probably throw Hunter in there. But oh, convenient. I'll be boring and say five. Okay, so this is in terms of, for me, in terms of him being a first-rounder, okay. um, I'm at an 8. You're at an 8, a.k.a. you're worried that he's not a first-rounder. Correct. For everyone. Yes, okay. 
So you go Ty- ahead and talk because I'm going to get some numbers up. So Tyrese Hunter, six foot, 175 pounds, tiny. He is very, very small, especially when we're talking about NBA point guards. Uh, points per game, 11.3, basically the same as last year. Uh, three point percentage is up, but it's still only at 32%. Um, turnovers and assists are down, but that's because he's playing a lot more off ball because there are a lot of Texas guards who like themselves quite a bit. Um, I just don't see where the improvements are really coming from. I I think his passing looks a little better and a little more creative this year than last year. Um, So that's an encouraging sign that the game is kind of slowing down a little more and that he's seen the floor a little better. Um, But I mean, he doesn't get to the free throw line. He has a free throw rate of 16.1. It's really bad. His steal rate is down to 1.3 not good. Uh, He doesn't really rebound. His assist percentage is average. Um, At that size, you got to be really productive in other areas and not just have awesome defensive footwork because I I love his on-ball defense. I think he's a really pesky on-ball defender. There are flashes, keyword, just so much emphasis on flashes of Davion Mitchell there. Uh, Maybe he has a Davion Mitchell-esque career arc where it takes him a couple years to find that shot. Um, But he kind of just looks like the same player that he was last year. And that lack of improvement at that size really, really worries me about what that means for his NBA future. Yeah. He he was, he went on a tear. He was, he was making some flashes at Iowa state last year. He went on a tear in the tournament um, kind of like almost like a, allow me to reintroduce myself moment and then firmly became a name to watch out as a breakout candidate. And all of us this year were saying like, if Tyrese Hunter just has an outside shot, he's got enough. He's got enough to potentially be a sneaky late first round guy. Cause he's just pesty defensively. I, I do like him as a guard, but I completely agree with you when you're that size and you're, thin framed, you got to be able to impact the game in a number of ways. If you're not, you know, getting to the basket all the time and stuff. You got to be able to do something. He started out the year. He was just very impressive. And we were even all like, okay, Tyrese Hunter looks like first round guy. <laughs> and first six games of the year, he was averaging 16 points, 3.7 rebounds, 1.8 assists. Shooting splits of 54, 37, 92 on 11.3 field goal attempts a game and 4.5 threes. Everyone stay with me. The neck, the last six games, he's averaging 6.5 points, four rebounds, 4.5 assists, shooting splits of 29, 26, 33 on 8.5 field goal attempts per game, 4.3 threes. So the numbers are so absurdly off that you could just be like, and, and, as I'm saying that, like, yeah, like his, his assists have taken a huge climb. He just had a last game. He had the, one of the weirdest box scores ever. I remember even looking at the box score. So I was like, I'm waiting for Tyrese Hunter to have that bounce back game and just like get this stupid, you know, whatever off your back. In his last game, he had two, three and eight in 30 minutes on one of six shooting. And so it's just like, what's going on? And, um, I really, really like him still. I just like, 
we got to get out of this slump, bud. Like you, you gotta, he's got the shanks basically, basically. I'm just trying to have fun with it, but you know, his, his last good game, you want to say against Illinois, he had 10, seven and four, but was four of 11 from the field. So it could just be a, a tough stretch or you could be saying, was it just a heater in the beginning of the year that are we ever going to get that back? And you know, Texas is a tough team. He's going to have a lot of basketball left um, to showcase this, but we got to get him out of that. And if he can, and he can start showing that the first six games of the year was what we really were going to see, then Hunter can make some noise, but I'm right. I'm right there with you. I'm a little cautious now because it's, it happens in college basketball all the time. It happens with draft prospects. It's almost like the fool's gold where you start getting like that. Whoa. Um, what happened to that guy? And I still really, really like Ty- Tyrese Hunter. I'm rooting for him. And I think he's going to turn it around. But that last six games is like, that's no joke. Like you're like, whoa. And like Metcalf said, they have a lot of talent on that team. They have a lot of guards. I mean, uh, who was it? I think Marcus Carr just had 41 the other night. So like, yeah, they're feeding the hot hand. But we're talking about Tyrese Hunter as a prospect. And I got questions. Yeah. And I'm just looking at the usage rates on that. Texas team, Marcus Carr is at 25.1. Arterio Morris is at 22.6. And then Serge Jabari Rice is just under Tyrese Hunter at 19.4. Like Tyrese Hunter should, they're they're using him as just a connecting piece out there. And it's diluting a lot of what he's best at and putting him into a role that is kind of mostly used as an off-ball shooter a lot of the time. And that's just not what he's good at. And it's it's perplexing because he was off to that awesome start. But here we are, hope, hoping for the best. I want that shot that we saw against Creighton and against Gonzaga uh, where he went uh, 5 of 8 from 3 and 9 of 14 from the field. Um, I, I want him to start attacking the rim like he did at Iowa State last year. Like, yeah, he's small, but he wasn't afraid of contact. He was going through guys, finishing through contact, getting to the line. You know, he was generating over – two i think it's two and a half free throw or 2.8 free throws a game that's down to 1.6 this year so when you're that size and you're not shooting from outside you got to find points somehow you got to find production somehow and to do that a great way with his first step i mean he still gets into the lane with ease he's super quick but he's just kicking out or trying to throw up these awkward floaters or avoiding contact it's like no go into the guy Get the foul. You did it last year as a freshman in the same conference. Nothing has changed. Go through it. So it'll be fascinating with all these guys. But Rucker, um, if you have anything else with any of these guys, go for it. Um, Otherwise, plug away. No, I got nothing else. Um, You know, I I appreciate everyone listening to uh, the second annual panic meter. Um, I I really, really liked doing this. So. I'm excited, Metcalf. I'm excited for 2023. I'm excited to get past the halfway mark of college basketball. Um, we're also getting some guys overseas that are coming back. I know R- Ryan Rupert. I hope I said his name right. I've been working on my pronunciations. I think he's coming back from a wrist injury. He's supposed to be coming back this month. So we got some 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 new guys to get excited about. But uh, I'm at noceilingsnba.com. Just did a piece on YouTube. I did a video breakdown on Nikola Juricic, someone gave me crap because I said Nikola and I'm an American. 
Yes, those are both true. So thank you. I appreciate it. But uh, no, I did a lot of a lot of work on that one. And I have another one coming up on Mr. Jarris Walker that I'm very excited about. That's going to be the new re and improved prospect series. So Metcalf, what do you got going? Plug it. I don't know. I'll, I'll have something written for Friday. I have no idea. I love, this. Yet. I love when you're the last second guy. <laughs> I do the same thing. I'll be like, Oh cool. I have to submit my piece and it's yeah. 12 o'clock. Yeah. The, you know, Nick, Nick and Corey who did the editing and artwork just, oh, they just love it. They're, yeah, they're big fans it. of mine. They're just, <laughs> but whatever it is, it'll be on no ceilings NBA.com and it'll be a hundred percent free. Just click that subscribe button while you're there to make sure that it gets emailed to you and you never miss anything we've written. Uh, you can follow us across all socials at no ceilings NBA and on YouTube at no ceilings TV. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review and a five-star rating. Happy new year. We'll see you in 2023 until next time. See you.